Lexus Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello everyone, welcome to Absolute Rally. Season 21, episode 11. Yes, I got it wrong at the top last week. I got my numbers wrong, because don't, we don't normally do this many episodes in a season, so that's what completely and utterly threw me. Anyway, um, coming up a little bit later on the podcast, we've got Maciej um, from M Sport Poland, who's going to be talking to us about JWRC and their Rally 3 car, which I'm sure is something that we'll talk about as well at the top of the podcast. But um, at the top of the podcast, I've got superstars all over the world. I've got TV stars aplenty. Of course, we've got... The legend that is John Desborough. Hello, John. Afternoon. Afternoon. Uh, we've got, obviously, the man who just likes wrecking lawns, um, Ryan Champion. Hello. Hello. I'm not sure it was a lawn. It was a piece of grass. It wasn't like the lawn outside the house or anything. Have you had the yeah so and we've got the, the man who's just the most famous man stateside out of all of us i'm convinced of it now jack banyan hello hello how are we doing well we're doing everyone and making sure no one's doing us jack banyan that's the, always the answer that's always the answer but failing miserably um uh, did you get onto the, the the little bit of the twitter competition thing that i put on the other day with regards to uh the answer is 11.7666666 continuous what is the question did you see that I did, but I don't know what the answer is, or what the question is, even. Okay. Well, the answers, the two options were, was it the length of Ryan's skid marks, and I meant that in relation to, 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 to Goodwood, obviously what we've seen on TV, or was it how many days worth of podcasts we can now fill with Absolute Rally? <laughs> and it was actually the latter. It was now, there's that many podcasts that we've produced over the years. You could literally spend 11.76 days of your life continually listening to us. I'm pleased I got it right. <laughs> so there you go. So that that's what I was up to over the weekend. That's how exciting my my life was. Did you well, do anything? Did you yeah. do anything exciting, John, over the weekend? No, I did very little. Okay. Try and socialise. Do try and socialise with the village. But uh, if I can just tell you a little story, I, you might know I've got a book out. And uh, no, lady, really, a lady of mine who used to work in um, promotion for Rothmans, would you believe, years ago, she said, you must do a book launch in a pub. So we go to the pub no, uh, locally, I better name it, called The Greyhound. And I've never been so nervous recently in all my life. And lots of these ladies arrive at the pub. And one of them, and I'm signing the book, and they're giving me, a, they're pressing £10 notes into my hands. It was a lovely occasion, very enjoyable. Never thought it would happen. Sold 30 of these things. But one lady said to me, oh, my husband used to be a rally navigator. And I thought... Fantastic. You should never underestimate the number of people around the country who have a connection to our sport that we never know exists. I said, that's lovely. He'll love this book. She said, no, he won't. I said, why is that? She said, he's dead. Tricky. And that's why I thought, <laughs> I thought right, okay. Well, uh, um, and I've, I had all the words taken away from me and all the oxygen taken from my air, which is which is rare for me. As um, And she, it was probably just as well she could see my face underneath the mask. But at that point, I didn't have any comeback. No, but it was, no. it was a, a lovely occasion. And all I learned was that there are so many people who they know. Dead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any idea why it's called the Greyhound Pub? No, I don't. Okay. I don't. Do you think it's got something to do with a dog? It could have. And the reason why I ask genuinely, right, and I, we're going slightly off topic here, but um, there's a pub uh, not far from where I grew up. 
And I, pubs were always, to me, um, related to, like, there was the cattle market, and that was next to the cattle market pub, uh, the yeah. cattle market itself. And there was uh, another one, which was called the, the, the wheat market, which was in, in, in Liverpool City Centre. And that was related to, obviously, what went on in trade and stuff like that. Now, yeah. there's a pub in Anfield, which is not far from, from, from the ground itself, called the Cockwell Inn. And I've got yeah. no idea where genuinely that name came from and what it was inspired by. But I'll leave it to you, all your imaginations. Yeah, that image is going to stay with me. Yeah, I'm going to leave that with you, John. Uh, Jack, did you do anything exciting over the weekend? Uh, I watched, uh, not unlinked to Anfield, I watched uh, the Liverpool game, which was, uh, yeah, I think we'll leave that one there, Tony, eh? Yeah, let's let's Um, leave that one there. Don't mention Um, VAR. I lived uh, vicariously through Ryan Champion. As we all did, and and that's why Ryan's been left till the end. Ryan Champion, here we go. Step forward, son. You, you've been in the shade for a while. That's Step it. forward into the sunshine. Step Rob, forward into the sunshine. Comfortable. On you go. It's all yours. Yeah. The floor's yours, Ryan Champion. How was Goodwood? <laughs> oh, well, a big intro now. Uh, it was a very special event as always with Goodwood I mean they always put on a a, a terrific event but uh, difficult times at the minute to put something on like that but as ever they did an amazing job a fantastic array of cars I mean obviously it was it was rally it was racing they had drift cars there um, all generations of, of drivers as ever and uh, they even got the good weather as Goodwood normally does so um, yeah well done did to it, them and great to see some motorsport back at Goodwood Did it feel more rally based this particular event or was it just uh, me yes. and my head? Yeah no it did I mean the, obviously the whole event was held within the, the circuit and when the rally stage ran the circuit stopped so inherently rallying was a little bit more integrated in into a goodwood event than it's probably been before and uh quite a lot of the racing fraternity seemed to to like that um you know there was a, a lot of good feedback and and people got time to see the cars so um yeah it was nice to be very much part of the event this time around the original stig he was fast <laughs> he was very fast uh, was unfortunately unfortunately he finished his weekend by being a little bit too fast and ended up in a tyre barrier but um, yeah he, he did take a, a, a victory uh, in the first part of the uh, St Mary's Trophy and did you see the list of drivers he beat I haven't got them in front of me but did you just see that list it, it was, was bonkers absolutely bonkers it was it was bonkers sorry John you were saying no, I was just it's a who's who there's everybody in there um, yeah. There was a Blundell in there, wasn't there? There was a, a Brundle in there. There was uh, who else was there? And there's all sorts. That was great watching. I watched that and I thought, could Lord March put that on mm, every month, please? Because uh, again, he may have to. I, it was terrific TV. I wonder. I'd be interested to know what the figures were, and it was great watching. Yeah, I must admit, I, I ended up going into, uh, was it the Friday night ride? It was, it was the Friday night, and I ended up finding it on Plus One, uh, and just watching the rally. It, it was, there was something about watching rallying, whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. And John will relate to this, I guess, from, from his background as well. Uh, watching rallying on terrestrial television, normal terrestrial television. I know ITV4 is an, ed- an added, um, ITV station, of course it is, but, the ease of just clicking a TV station and seeing rally cars moving just took me back to, um, dare I say, a golden age, John. 
Yeah, I think no, you're right. And we, if we're of a certain age, we're there as well watching it on Saturday afternoon because you know there's nothing on on Saturday afternoon because no one's allowed to put anything on on Saturday afternoon because of all those nasty TV stations that don't let you put anything on on Saturday afternoon. So you would find back in the day that thing called Grandstand, which always had the RAC on it around about this time of year, and it was always fabulous to watch. And that's the beauty of our sport, you know, watching cars doing things at daft speeds that you can't imagine they can do and just being amazed. Um, you know, and Ryan was repeating that this weekend, 50, 60 years later. Absolutely. Um, Jack, obviously, with your with your 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 new job, well, it's not really a new job anymore, but what, what you're involved in now, does Goodwood carry over to, to, to the guys in the States? Obviously, you're doing a lot of stuff state style at the moment. Do, 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 do the States kind of buy into Goodwood as much as, as perhaps? Because they, they do love a Britishness about things, don't they? They do, actually. And uh, the, the revival, especially um, the event where they kind of recreate um, the, the 1950s and 60s with like supermarkets and, and period dress and stuff like that. You know, that really, you can imagine, really captures the, the imagination of, of some of the American drivers. But I think more than anything, it's, um, you know, it's elevated itself through the, the quality of its entries. You know, the, the, the cars are invited. You can't just, you know, rock up with, uh, with any old bit of kit at, at Goodwood. And um, well, for most of the races, anyway and you know like uh like john said before it was uh the the racing that stig was in was pretty much a, a who's who and across the weekend there's you know multiple x formula one drivers le mans winners um you know as well as some some very talented rally drivers as well so you know i think um it's kind of a chicken and the egg situation and, and and goodwood's built itself into something now where you know it's not just um you know people who have got a lot of money can afford to buy cars and have no racing experience you know kind of pootling around on a saturday afternoon you know this is um you know this is proper drivers le mans winners xf1 drivers who are who are giving it the beans and and that kind of thing you know really excites um you know any driver world over and you know i know um just one example that you know Juan, Juan pablo montoya is, is a name that you know pretty much uh, transcends most uh, motorsport he's a person who's really desperate to get over and was due to drive this year at goodwood on a few occasions in a mini so you know it's uh, it's just kind of one of those events that um it doesn't really matter what you're in or or, or anything like that it's just uh, something you that, that you need to take part in and i think we i think we saw a really good cross section of that this weekend especially given that you know normal goodwood events quite often happen while there's other major motorsport going on around the world and obviously we've got less going on at the minute so there was a lot more attention on it i think this weekend as well which uh, which probably helped create a bit more of a, a buzz around the event as well right Tell us, tell us what happens. Is it a golden envelope? Does a stork deliver an envelope <laughs> to your front door and say, Ryan, and it can speak as well, this stork, because obviously it comes from money. Ryan, I've got an envelope for you. Tell us what happens, right? Come on. It, it's not quite like that. But, uh, I have to say, whenever you get when you, whenever you get the official invite, you, you kind of you, you kind of hear on the grapevine that you might be lucky enough to get an invite, and then uh, when it actually. Oh, <laughs> yes, and when it when it actually drops in, it, it's uh, it's very nice, and uh, obviously this time things are a little bit different. But when you when you get the box through the post with all the lovely passes and and everything else, then uh, yeah, it's it's a nice experience. But for anybody who doesn't have a clue what we're talking about, um, uh, 1983 World Rally Champion Stig Blonkers was driving not only a rally car at the weekend, but also various race cars. Uh, and just to give you the top ten, so the St Mary's Trophy he qualified on pole. Um, and he won the race, and the remainder of the top ten was. Bearing in mind this is a, this is a race. Second was Nicholas Minassion, third Andrew Jordan, fourth Mark Blundell, Colin Turkington, Gordon Shedden, Emmanuel Ipiro, David Brabham, Alex Brundle, 
and Tim Harvey was the top 10. We'll give a shout out to, uh, to a mate of mine in JB, Paul O'Neill, who was 12th. Mr. Bean was in the race. Uh, <laughs> 1970 Le Mans winner Dickie Atwood was 18th. Uh, Andrea Lotra didn't finish, but he was out qualified by Stig Blomquist, as was Karen Chanduk, Marino Franchitti, uh, Sam Tordoff, Rob Huff. Need to go on. So to say that Stig is still pretty fast. Um, you know, when we go to Africa, people say, well, is Stig really still fast? Um, I think that, uh, that answers the question. I, I love the idea of, of Stig. We all, we all know Stiggers and, but there's generations, probably, probably a couple of generations now, even behind Jack that would have no idea who he is. And I love the idea of him being a cab driver. We've seen these kind of fake videos done before where it's somebody made up or whatever it may be. Just Stig going to pick somebody up in a cab. Just down the back lane somewhere, maybe through Finland or something like that. Obviously, they'd know him in Finland. But use your imaginations. You know what I'm getting at. Just basically, Stig being your driver, and you think you've got this little old man who, who basically is just going to pootle around and, and, and get you to your destination. But we want Stig on full Scandinavian drifts. That's what we want. We want, we want, we want, we want, we want to see more Stig. We want to see more Stig. I think his son has got a newfound. Has he ever learnt circuit racing? Because because I was watching that thinking, I remember Mark Blundell when he entered uh, Rally GB, whenever it was, 20 years ago in the MG, and he said, I'm having to unlearn everything I learnt as a circuit race. Everything I learnt on, on that tarmac, I'm not, I can't do here in this rally car. So does the reverse apply? And if so, how can Stig at this age suddenly wipe the floor with so many great names? Or has he always been... Has he learned how to do it? Is this something we've never seen before? I mean, I've, I've not seen it. I no. think I think Stig's always he's always done some racing, but funnily enough, uh, thanks to uh, VHS rallies, uh, I was watching one of the Austin Rover rally sprints not that long ago, where uh, the, all the stars were in uh, something incredibly exotic, like uh, an Austin Montego, and uh, <laughs> and Stig was door handling with Nigel Mansell, and I think if I remember rightly, Stig came out on top in one of those races as well. Right. Weird. Go on, Jack. Sorry, you were about to say something about the Stig's boy then. Yeah, Tom uh, is a, a very, uh, very handy driver. He reached kind of like DTM level and is is well respected in uh, you know racing circles. And he got his, uh, let's say, his first taste of um, a, a proper rally car in the sense that he drove a, a Citroen R5 last year with uh, another circuit racer who um, does does F2 and stuff like that. It's not really important, but I think you know Tom. Driving the driving the Citroen, getting a test in that, I think he had a, a real newfound respect for for his dad because you know Stig's been Stig's done an odd race here and there for for years and years and is a uh, you know even I think at one point used it to try and uh, improve his his form a little bit in 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 rallying circles as well. Not that he needed that, but um, you know I think his uh, you know his son grew up in circuit racing and has always been around that that world and not done too much rallying at all. So you know when he got to 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 drive an R5 car and, and something a bit more modern. I think uh, I think he had a newfound respect for you know how difficult rallying must have been when Stig was on top and you know just the the talent level that he had and you know Tom's grown up knowing that his dad is a you know a phenomenal driver and well respected the world over for for stuff that he's done. But I think uh, you know driving a proper rally car just gave him that you know extra bit of respect for for what Stig's been able to do. And he looked like a race winner when he was leading that thing. He didn't, you know, in the back of his mind, say to himself, ah, do you know what, I'm 73, I've had my time, I was a champion in 83, I'll let these guys come by. He looked as though he was driving that race and making that car as wide as he could and every corner as narrow as he could because he was out there to thrash that and put them all in their place. I thought it was terrific. I mean, I caught the programme where he's leading the race thinking, wait a second, this must be wrong. 
this can't be the stick I know it love. And then when you've got over that and you, he's still leading and he's still going on, he st it was as though he was determined to win that and, you know, a newfound respect. If we had a if we had a kind of, you know, an honours board, an imaginary honours board, you know, people that, when, you know, in the newspapers at the weekend, they've got nothing else to write about. So they talk about people where they've gone up or down in the, in their, in this, in the world standings during the week. Stig is up there at number one with a considerable lead. Yeah, love it. Love it. Um, boys, I wanted to talk about a couple of stories that obviously have started breaking um, over the last seven days. Uh, and a lot of it revolves around Hyundai. Um, we've we've had the new R5 car, right? Um, that was released, I think, this morning uh, as we record this, or late last night, anyway. So you mean, you mean Rally Two car, don't you? Sorry, sorry, yes, I've just been corrected. Funny enough, having just talked to Maciek about Rally Three cars, yet yeah, we've just had that conversation. Sorry, Rally Two car, um, <laughs> which just doesn't make it confusing at all in any way, shape, or form. Uh, the new car's been released. Everybody's excited by it, which is which is great. Obviously, it's very much a customer-based car. Of course, that's what Rally 2 is all about. But this has been released uh, kind of with the backdrop, of course, with, you know, uh, a story which was which was put out on Dirtfish with regards to, you know, the likelihood of, of, of Hyundai continuing with the WRC program with, with the new impending regulations and supposedly looking shaky because they now want to go racing, in inverted commas. But it was very non-committal to me, to be honest with you, when I read that story. Yeah, a, a couple of things here. I mean, firstly, like you say, they, they've revealed the new... Uh i20 rally 2 car <laughs> i only pulled you up on it because i had the same conversation in my head because that's been launched alongside the new i20n road car it's the first time we've seen an n version of the of the i20 and and i saw rally 2 and i'm like oh yeah there's going to be an r2 version is that no it's not an r2 no it's a rally 2 version it's, well, so that's an r5 car yes okay rally 2 so that's that was my conversation in my head as well with myself <laughs> um but um yeah i mean talked about this run <laughs> yeah actually about three o'clock in the morning it might be worthwhile when i'm still trying to work out which class it's in but um uh, yeah like you said there's a there's a story about it now is it fact is it is it hyundai posturing you know we we've often seen manufacturers uh use the media for for their own end game it doesn't seem like the results uh, the results the regulations are set in stone yet for the new generation of cars i'm sure there's still room for maneuver so they're a massively important part of the world rally championship at the minute so uh you know are they just flexing their muscles a bit or is it is it a serious serious threat stroke is it actually going to happen i don't know we'll just have to see how that one plays out but you know we really do need them in the world rally championship at the minute most definitely jack um from a from a journalistic point of view you obviously you know adamo is 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 uh he's always challenging i think he knows that and i think it's all part of the game but you know it, uh, he was quoted as well he wasn't really quoted was he He was quoted and talking about something almost completely different as such but um what was your take on it reading from a journalistic point of view yeah i think um i think it's a lot more serious than than maybe people are uh, letting on or, or understand because it's it's not just coming from rally sources this you know this is coming from from sports car sources as well so um this isn't you know something to be uh you know to be ignored it's uh, uh you know whether it's posturing or not you know it's clear that hyundai have a very serious issue with the time frame for for hybrid and the wrc you know, we've seen you know testing is going to be delayed next year by by a month and um 
you know, I think uh, some of the manufacturers still don't really know 100% what's going on and things are a little bit still, um, you know, up in the air and, and not really where they need to be in terms of the future of the WRC, not just for the next rules package, but the, the package after that. And, you know, sports cars has gone through a very difficult period and we don't need to get into that now, but they, they have a new rules package come in, which is going to, um, you know, make them make the most of hybrid. It'll be a brilliant platform for Hyundai to to advertise through and uh, to to kind of prove that their you know electric te- technology is good enough to to race over 24 hours, which is a you know a big plus for for any manufacturer. And we've got the likes of Peugeot going in there. Um, uh, you know, Toyota look like they're going to continue, and there's a few other manufacturers that should be involved as well. So uh, you know, I think um, as much as you know, David can't say. Um, with with commitment that Hyundai are going to pull out the WRC, I think the fact that this is coming from sports car sources as well as you know sources from from inside rallying as well makes it a very serious issue. And Hyundai have got a very diverse motor, motorsport program, um, and you know we we discussed at length the freezing the pay and stuff like that, which seems quite normal. Um, uh, you know, a, a normal thing to do in the circumstances. We've got Brexit coming, and obviously we've got the coronavirus, which is something very difficult for for car manufacturers but I think uh, you know I think this is a serious issue and I think um, Hyundai needs to be heard by the FIA if it is a a bit of a cry for help from Hyundai that you know they they, they want to see things go in a certain way then um, you know they need to be listened to and, and addressed because you know this is um, you know, this is a decision that will be not easy for them to make but um, you know an easy one for them to execute you know pulling out of a championship and, and entering another um you know, obviously it takes a lot of money and getting the right people in place, making sure you're going in the right direction. But ultimately, if they if that's what they decide at board level, then it, it'll happen. So, um, you know, I hope uh, I hope people reading this and, uh, you know, the, the people who have the power to to clarify things, make things a bit clearer for some of the WRC teams. You know, I hope the people who have the power to do that can do that over the next uh, few months, because uh, I think this is a lot more serious than maybe it, it, it looks. Did it all go quiet there? You were around, you know, John, uh, around the, the time of, I suppose, the halcyon days when we had many manufacturers in the WRC, you know, that kind of late 90s, early 2000s period. And obviously, one by one, we, we, we started to lose them. Um, um, what Was there any telltale signs back then that we should be taking heed of perhaps now? Ooh, I never try and compare eras, but you are right. I would say my the golden era that I remember was from about 97 to 2002, which would be the end of the Channel Four days. But I can remember Malcolm Wilson or David Latwood saying to me, "Stop sweating about all these manufacturers being in or not being in." When we started this, it was only us and Ford or Subaru. But maybe uh, we don't want Hyundai to leave because they have the best coffee machine in the service park. That's that's concentrate <laughs> on importance. Secondly, it may just be that Andrea Adamo's head exploded one day in front of David Evans because you know what David can be like. He's you know like a dog with a bone. And he wouldn't let Andrea Adamo in the phone call talk around it anymore. Uh, and maybe, you know, Andrea Adamo's head exploded because he's got the FIA saying, no, we're going now. And remember, that's a Frenchman and an Italian doing that negotiation. You've got Yves Maton and Andrea Adamo. I mean, how does, if we thought our negotiations with Europe were trouble, then how did that negotiation go on? And Andrea's thinking, look, I'm trying to win this championship. I don't even know if Ypres is really going to go ahead. I don't know why we're going to Monza, and I don't know what's down there. Uh, you're telling me I've only got uh, this much money to do this, to spend on the team this year. I've got Oit Tank doing this. I've got Danny Sordo doing that. I've got 
He's got the biggest team with all the problems. He's got this enormous overhead. And now somebody is saying, you know what, it might just be easier to just go round and round in sports cars. Um, but the bottom line is they do need to sort it out. I can understand there being a, a desire to delay because COVID is that kind of muddy water, isn't it? It's that soft sand in between where you are and where you want to get to. And... Um, He's trying to deal with the here and now and get the thing done. And then maybe come, you know, December, when we're all back from Monza, they'll be able to reassure the man and his, his hot head and say, look, we can get this done. Let's just, just, just picking up from uh, this is an article that was uh, written by Graham Liston. This is a, a direct quote, supposedly, from, from Eve Matton. Introducing the hybrid car was key to get manufacturer's commitment for 2022. This is why it's not possible to think about postponing the introduction of the technology in the championship, he said. Looking to the future, the key for the elements of Rally 1 philosophy, first hybrid and sustainable technology, second improvement in safety and third cost reduction. Um these are the even more important now to the when we started these rules two years ago. So, you know, the, reading that, the, 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 you know, there's no postponement. It's this, 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 this is happening. But yeah. my fear is I, I seem to remember a similar line or a similar tack that was taken. And I'm sure Jack might put me straight on this. Um, a similar line was taken with, 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 with 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 IMG, ironically, you know, to use Roundy Roundy as an example again, with World Rallycross, with the manufacturers going electric, and that was kind of land. And you know, one by one, obviously, there was delays to whether it was going to come in, and then all of a sudden, they were left with no direct manufacturers, and it was all just private teams again. Mm. It is, yeah. you know, it's come. You've got to draw a line in the sand so, sooner or later, haven't you? And um, somewhere back in time, I said on this podcast that we've had the Toyota Prius or Prius since I think it's 1997, which means it's been around for 20 odd years. So, you know, sooner or later, someone's going to, have to say we're going to get this into a rally car. But then uh, ironically, a couple of guys from Hyundai, I remember a year or two ago said, one, what about the battery? You know, how do we get that around the world? And two, what happens if it's in a car and it rolls and explodes in a forest and there's lots of fans around who want to go and put their hands on it. Um, but, you know, these, these things must be problems that we can find solutions to. Um, and at some stage, uh, you know, we've, we've got to go, uh, 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 we've got to go hybrid and, you know, no doubt we'll, we'll go electric. Um, it's just a matter of when, and I'm sure Andrea adam has got so much on his plate that he's, um, he doesn't want to think about it now. And Absolutely. maybe that's the same with Hyundai as well. It might be sports cars are putting the pressure on them saying, come on, we want to get you in. Here's your deal. Here's your entry deal. Come on in. Here are the new rules. Come and announce yourself as a as a partner right at the beginning. Think of the massive PR. But um, you know those cars will never be exciting, as exciting as an I twenty in the hands of Oid Tanak or Thierry Neuville. Sports cars when they roll, you know you can't get them back in your four wheels in a cloud of dust, and then press the start button again, and then you know and go on and win a stage. You can never do a Petter Solberg Corsica 2003 in a sports car. Come on, boys! Absolutely, absolutely. Go on, Jack. You were about to jump in them. I think the the fundamental problem is that the the manufacturers aren't in agreement about what they want to do. So. You know, you've got some manufacturers that are willing to do a middle step with hybrid and you've got some manufacturers that are only interested in doing electric cars now. And, you know, Ryan will be able to talk about this more because he's got, you know, much better insight from from his job with with manufacturers. But, you know, fundamentally, I don't think either 
the manufacturer, all the manufacturers uh, that compete in motorsport, I don't think they all agree on where uh, the future is or how long it's going to take. You know, hydrogen's kind of on the horizon, but not here yet. Um, you know, hybrid and, and electric technology, obviously, I don't think there's an agreement in uh, or, or each manufacturer, let's say, has their own, uh, you know, uh, decisions to make and, and their own um you know the the time that they want to implement each one so you know you've got some i imagine the a, a lot of the issue that's happening now in the wrc is the same as in many other areas of motorsport and one of the big reasons why the the, the rallycross thing you mentioned didn't come off is that you know each you know some manufacturers aren't willing to compromise and, and want to go straight for electric and, and and aren't willing to to do anything that isn't electric because that's where their models are going um and and that's where their ranges are heading so if if you've got all electric cars why would you go and race a hybrid car in in motorsport you know you just wouldn't you wouldn't do it so um i think the problem is none of the manufacturers really you know know the answer or, or know, know where we're going to be in 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 10 or 15 years time but also that none of them are really at the same stage where they're ready to do exactly the same thing. So when you've got manufacturers, you know, threatening to put, you know, hundreds of millions or tens of millions into a motorsport program, uh, they're all going to have their own say and they're all going to try and um, get the best possible, um, you know, criteria for them. You know, it's something we've seen in motorsport for years. The manufacturers are always lobbying the FIA to get the, the rules that they want. And it's, you know, part of the reason why we get, the rules packages that we get because the manufacturers, um, you know, need motorsport to be, to be relevant. So, you know, it's, it's, there's so many fingers in the pie and the, the it's complicated by the fact that the, we're not sure what pie we're making yet. You know, the, the, the whole, the whole situation with where we're going in the future is, is, is uncertain and, and difficult for the manufacturers to predict. So, um, there's so many variables in all this that you, it's really difficult to get three or four manufacturers to agree to do the same thing over the same period of time because they've all got their own, um, stakeholders, shareholders to, to please and, and, and their own, uh, board of directors to, to satisfy at the end of the day. And, you know, in a way, with that uh, rally to Hyundai i20, there's a lot of names and letters in there, isn't there, that uh, we saw released today, they could be saying, look, we're still here, we're still rallying, we're still at a car. If you're a customer, you can still come and have, you know, the top i20, and you can still compete with that. We're still involved in this sport that is called rallying, but in the background, they are then going to go off and negotiate with sports cars and other motorsport organisations and go and compete somewhere else. Um, <clears throat> it might be that they have just shown us what they intend to be their long-term future in that rally car, something which Citroen was sort of, I always get the impression, were bumped into when they suddenly pulled out. Um, they, they're still left with these Citroens, these R5, as we used to call them, Citroens, um, which do quite well in WRC 2 and 3. You know, maybe that's Hyundai saying this is where we see our I-20. And if that's where they see them and that's where Citroen see them, and maybe then, you know, the rest of the sports scene or is going to say, actually, that could be the car that needs to be the world car. Um, don't know. Right. If I can just bring you in, obviously, the, the, the story that was breaking a couple of, well, um, earlier this week or earlier last week was regards to the second, you know, WRC2, WRC3 uh, Rally 2 cars uh, will use hybrid units. Uh, from 2023 um and i just wonder you know to, to i suppose uh, i think i think from a high end i specifically point of view that the, the new rally 2 car that has just come out um uh, the original car they felt was rushed 
Um, and I know they did upgrades on it and stuff like that, but I think this car was the one that they took some time on as opposed to, I think they felt they had a bit of a gun to the head originally on that, on their original Rally 2 car. Um, so this one they've kind of grown into, as it were, and developed and everything else. But, you know, we're talking in two years time that, are we going to be in the realms of, is this going to be a hybrid kit that is going to now fit onto Rally 2? Um, well, just to go back 10 minutes before I answer that question, um, <laughs> and, and just to save the Absolute Rally email account going into overload, of course, Yves Maton is from Belgium, so we'll just put that one straight. So, um, or, else, or else the whole of Belgian rallying will point that out to you, yes, Tony. Yes, don't, don't, get on the, don't get on the wrong side of stuff from Prevo, John. I was, don't get I was on the just going to leave it out there because I thought it'd be funny just to, you know, just, just for John and Tony to deal with that. But anyway, I thought I'd do the right thing. Thanks, um, mate. So, um, yeah, uh, where do we go? Well, the, the, the first thing really with the Rally 2 cars is... They are customer cars, as we know, and they're a money-making exercise. As simple as that. You know, these teams develop them, and and they make good money for their relevant motorsport departments. I'm, I'm sure uh, at M Sport, the WRC program is is heavily underwritten by the sales of R5 Stroke Rally Two cars alone. Um, so, uh, you know, the the two things maybe can be looked at as being separate at the minute, in that um, you know they are a, a commercial entity, um, but the fact that if manufacturers are involved, they've got to be relevant. Um, there's there's no point in a manufacturer investing their millions in a marketing budget if it has no relevance to what they sell day to day. So, you know, this comes back to, to what both John was saying and, and what Jack was saying. There has to be a reason why a manufacturer is in there. And, and I guess the same even with a commercial entity like a, like a Rally 2 car. You know, if the majority of cars they're selling are hybrid, then their Rally car should be hybrid as well. But We've been in a, a relatively stable situation over the last few years where the combustion engine was the thing we all had. That's what we all drove. And yes, the combustion engine was getting smaller and we moved from 2 litre to 1.6. Um, but, you know, we know that that's, that technology is disappearing. Uh, and, you know, Jack's quite right. What What is the future? Is it electric? Is it hydrogen? I mean, um as John said, Toyota have, have had the Prius since 1997, but they've also had a hydrogen car on the road for the last five, six years now. So that's the problem. They're all exploring new technology. They're all doing it at their own rates, and, and they all have their, their end goal of what they want from their marketing. So it's it's a really, really tricky period to get this right. And as you just said, Tony, if you don't get it right, you face what happened in, in World Rallycross, and we thought – World Rallycross was was about to explode. Well, it did, but we thought it was going to explode for a prolonged period as a, a manufacturer sport, and actually it, it went boom bust very quickly. So let's just hope that uh, the FIA and the manufacturers do all agree very quickly, and we're not in that same situation. This is going to be something that's going to run and run and run. I'm really conscious of the fact that it feels like we re- we repeat ourselves on a weekly basis. So I guess we'll we will come back to this. Um, that's, that's- I want. That's the conversation going on in Ryan's head at three o'clock in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The other story which uh, we've we've been talking about, obviously we we, we spoke last week about the WRC being extended, obviously with Monza coming up um, towards the end of, uh, as the final event now. Ypres, we've all been very, very um, excited about, but the story broke with regards to to more lockdowns uh, and things being closed now in Belgium. Um, over the last, you know, the, the infection rate is, in, is, is increased again, Jack. 
Um, apparently there is, there's, there's things in place, which Maciek talks about a little bit later on in the podcast, but, um, you know, Belgium is facing supposedly a tsunami of new infections. And yet, realistically, are we going to be sending the WRC there? Where, where, where's the cutoff point, do you think? It's difficult, isn't it? I don't think there's a number or, um, you know, a specific thing that you can say this is what's going to cancel the Ypres rally. I think, uh, you know, a lot of it's going to come down to the, the government restrictions and, um, you know, ultimately a duty of care from the organisers to make sure that they, they keep everyone safe. So it's a, it's a difficult one. And the thing is, Tony, like these kind of decisions, you know, if we, if we go back, you know, to, to last year or, or, you know, previous years, you'd expect a you know decision on a, on an event being cancelled to come six months before, and if it came any later than that, there'd be uproar from the competitors who've been planning for it and and, and putting money into it and stuff like that. So, um, you know, obviously before this year, you know, events being cancelled, uh, you know, an elite motorsport level was you know uh, not a common thing really. Um, unless it's uh, factors that are unforeseen by motorsport like natural disasters and, and things like that. But, you know, with, with COVID, it's kind of like a, a day-to-day thing, isn't it, almost? Because, you know, the organisers have got to wait till the last possible minute to see what the virus is doing in, in that area and in the, in the surrounding areas and also the areas where the, the teams have come from as well. So the, there's so many pieces of the puzzle to put together. And, you know, ultimately, I've kind of unsubscribed from discussing you know events like this that are, that are more than two weeks away because any more than that you're just discussing irrelevant information that that isn't going to apply at the time so you know i appreciate you know it's um you know we're a valid podcast tony and you're right to ask the question and you know we, we should talk about the restrictions that happen in belgium and, and stuff like that but for me uh, i just don't think it's worth talking about until two weeks before the event because uh, you know i know we're getting close to that but the virus is so unpredictable and the, the effects that it has, not just in the area of the event, but the areas where the teams are, are based and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's just so, so variable, isn't it? Absolutely. I'm not even going to bother speaking to you, John and Ryan. There you go. <laughs> Jack just oh, put us all straight. No, I, in joking aside, I do actually, I do actually agree. Obviously, John, from your point of view, um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's work. Obviously, you're involved in the coverage of it and, and stuff like that. And I'm guessing, you know, you're not going to have anything other than, you know, literally days before. That's the way it's going to go. I imagine so. I think the beginning of it will be a phone call somewhere that somebody's made in the schedule between the government minister in Belgium and the organisers, as Jack says, probably involving the FIA and the promoter. They'll make up their mind as late as possible, I would guess. And, you know, all of us, bar a Welshman who's cycling around those hills in Dolgethali, would like it to happen desperately. He'd just like that one and the one in Monza to get cancelled very quickly. Um, but I haven't seen Craig Breen. Boy, did you see that stuff on social media? <laughs> Not being able to get out of fourth gear and aquaplaning around, uh, well, the other side of it. I, I don't, John, don't, don't, don't start Ryan on the cuts. Don't start Ryan on the cuts I, again. I'm over that one. Hey, Jack, you might want to not want to talk about it, but I do because I know nothing about it. I need to talk about as many people about it as possible. Well, I should, I should well, be getting ready just in case because you're, you're uh, in the right place, Sean. You've got you've got Ryan Champion and you've got Jack Bang. And literally, I could just go away now. I could walk away and leave. He's running at it for about three hours. I was having a look at the the stage maps actually on. Uh, EWRC. By the way, I uh, thought the the piece you did last week was was fantastic, and it was really nice. I know, I know they're not particularly, uh, you know, like fond of like personal coverage or, or stuff like that over at EWRC, but I, I know you've been working on that for a long time, right? To to get them involved, so you know, well done on that because we all use it at the end of the day, and it's a a fantastic resource. But they've got the maps up for for Ypres, and I was happy to see. Um, the stages look, you know, pretty much a normal length for 
for an Ypres rally and also the the stages around Spa, which I was really keen to see, you know, how, how long they were going to be and, and what they kind of looked like. So if you head over to the Ypres page on, on EWRC, you can have a look at the maps and, um, you know, obviously it's not... Um, you know, it's not it's not a detailed stage map where you can see the sharpness of the corners and stuff like that, but you can get a vague idea from the from the map what the what the stages look like, and they look pretty testing and uh, a decent distance, most of them in between sort of six and ten k. So, um, you know, that's a that's a positive. God bless EWRC. Can I say that? Yes, you can, because they were on with us last week, and we think they're fantastic, which is why they were on the podcast. Yeah. So, yes, you 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 can say that without. Without any shadow of a doubt, you can say that. Um, Ryan Champion, well done for last week. Tough well, job. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you take the glory. Do you know what? We've nice given to have Thomas on. It was. We've given Ryan a lot of credit, so now we should give him some stick for his terrible tweet where he showed his favouritism to Elvin Evans. And I reckon he's the reason why Hayden Padden isn't in the WRC anymore because that listener who wrote in years ago and said that we're, we've got favouritism towards Elvin Evans and we hate all we hate Hayden Padden and we hate the rest of the WRC drivers who aren't from England. That's all Ryan Champion's fault. So if you want to tweet him and, and blame him for that, and I think you should. Isn't isn't it isn't it a good job that 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 he that that Elvin isn't on those those special tyres because he, he he would be about <laughs> sixty points in the lead now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there you go, John. We'll bring you up to speed with that one, John, another time. We'll All bring right. you up to speed with that one another time. But there you go. Um, yeah. fingers crossed, genuinely that obviously we 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 do get to the end of that. Um, boys, believe it or not, we 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 we're, we're going headlong into any other business. That's how long we've been wittering away for. So um, we're going to go to a break and then what we're going to do, we're going to talk to Max X over at M Sport Poland, uh, as I mentioned before. And then when we come out of the break, uh, we're going to come back with our any other business. Hi, everyone. This is John Desborough, commentator and presenter on the World Rally Championship. I'm hoping you've seen my debut novel, Breaking Point. If you haven't, check it out on eBay. It's a roller coaster ride of deceit and blackmail from a golden age of the WRC. And like a good rally, it starts fast and gets faster. Breaking Point by me, John Desborough, on eBay now for $7.99. Welcome back to the next section of Absolute Rally. And as I mentioned last week, we were going to talk about JWRC and the trials and tribulations of all the drivers have had so far this season at Junior World Championship level. And there seemed no greater person to get on uh, is Maciek Voda, who, of course, is the managing director of M Sport Poland and the man who kind of spearheads the JWRC campaign. So first question, very easy one. Maciek, are you safe and well? Hi, good afternoon. Yes, we are safe and uh, and well. Obviously, it's a very, very strange uh, year this year and um, it's not something that we expected I don't think anybody expected but yeah we are trying to survive we're trying to be positive and uh, and we're looking forward in uh, in the future into the future it's been you know it's it's tough at the best of times for for junior drivers and and budgets and of course they all have commercial partners and things like that just how much of a of a of a drain and a, and, a, and a pressure has it been on 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 getting drivers to these events? Bearing in mind, obviously, the what's going on in the world at the moment with the economy. Yeah, I think you know, without going into too many details, uh, the numbers will will talk for themselves because we started Rally Sweden this year with 16 junior WRC drivers, which was the best result we ever had. And uh, honestly, things were looking extremely promising for the um, for the rest of the season. We were potentially going to have more drivers for the next rounds, but uh, obviously, the the COVID pandemic has started, and uh, 
the calendar, you know, started to be uh, slightly, let's say, changed, and uh, the drivers started to have more and more uh, difficulties with getting partners on board. So then the next round of Junior WRC, which was Valley Estonia, we only had 12 cars, which was still okay, uh, but then we dropped down to eight for Sardinia, and this is the number we're expecting to have in the last round of Junior WRC, which is uh, which is Rally Ypres. Uh, so yeah, for sure it's been very very difficult year for the for the juniors for most of the drivers, but juniors uh, particularly. Um, but well, obviously we need to we need to cope with what we have, and uh, and we. Uh, we're trying to have the championship going the best we can, and um, and like I said before, we're looking you know forward to the future. We've got three drivers that are still in contention. Uh, Maciek, you've worked with lots of drivers over the years in in, in your role within M Sport. Just take us through, the, I suppose, uh, strengths and weaknesses is is not really a, a nice way of putting it, but you know, looking at the guys, and obviously now going into a tarmac rally. Um, who do you think this is going to favour? Who do you think is going to be more suited than to go into this final round out of the three drivers that are in contention? I always tend to not to have, to have any favoured drivers in, in junior WRC because obviously, uh, you know, the, the principle of the junior WRC is that everybody is equal and everybody has got the same chances. And honestly, I'm not thinking about those guys as any of them has got uh, better chances than the others to, to, to win the rally or to win the championship. I would say that out of those three names um, which, you, which you meant, uh, it's very, very difficult to put a finger of any on them because they are three completely different characters. They have completely different strengths and, uh, and weaknesses. And uh, honestly speaking, first of all, any of, of those three can win, but also any of the other drivers can still win because, you know, you mentioned about three drivers only, but mathematically anyone can still uh, win the championship. Um, if you consider that there are uh, there is 1.5 uh, coefficient for the championship points in Rally Ypres, there is a lot of stage points to be taken. Like I said, the chances are still very, very open for everybody uh, mathematically. Well, we, I was just want to say, to, to be fair, it's Tom Christiansen, Martin Sex, and Sam uh, Payari. Yes, Sam Payari. Um, they're the three drivers that we're talking about, and, and I, I suppose you, you've just kind of hit on the point there that there is there's, there's still 60, 60.5 points available, and when you're looking at it from a championship point of view, those you know we've got realistically going all the way down to. You know, we could go all the way down to, 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 uh, not, probably not even far off Rory Bell, who's, who's only on 18 points, who's in seventh place, anywhere above there. If anybody has problems, and of course, that's what we've seen on Sardinia, wasn't it? You know, there was a lot of drivers who had problems, Austin Digger. Exactly. And Rory Bell had actually a very, very good run in, uh, in Rally Sardinia. Um, unfortunately, he didn't finish the rally due to some, uh, broken suspension, but, uh, but yeah, he had a very, very good run. Um, and, you know, thinking um, historically, back in 2011, the championship was looking like halfway through the season was looking like it's all sorted. Uh, at that time, Egon Kaul from Estonia had three rallies in his pocket. And, um, yeah, he was the one to win the championship. But then, finally, it was Craig Brin who won it on the stage points, on the last rally, on the last uh, last stage of uh, of last event. So anything is still possible. 
like I said, those three drivers mathematically have got the strongest chances, obviously. Tom Christensen is the oldest out of them and is for sure um, the most mature in the respect of how he approaches the rally, how he calculates his um, um, his tactics for uh, for the event. Uh, Martin says, you know, good experience, very good speed. Uh, he has shown, uh, you know, incredible pace in uh, in Estonia. Um, Sunny Payari, very young, but mega, mega fast. So three completely different drivers out of those that have got the biggest chances. But like I said, anyone can still win the championship. It's also, um, it has to be now the biggest single prize in rallying in the world, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is actually. Uh, I, I'm, I was actually thinking that this is probably the only uh, championship in in motorsport, but definitely in rallying, where you can actually win more than what you're spending. Uh, so for sure, it's something that you know, winning the, the the championship is one thing, but also getting the prize which we're offering uh, with our partner is something extremely valuable. So for sure, there is there is something to to fight for. It's an M Sport R5 Rally 2 car. Obviously, it's also 200 Pirelli tyres, five WRC entries and WRC registration. I wouldn't even like to try and put into figures uh, of, of how much that is. This is obviously what they're all fighting for and where all these drivers want to be. I guess... The, the, the joys of the Junior World Championship and what, of course, what's happening with the M Sport Fiestas over the years of just seeing, you know, um, seeing where Elvin's at now, seeing where Craig's at uh, and various other drivers that have still forged really, really strong careers. You must take a great deal of pride in that now, Maciej. Yes, I, I think M Sport is well known and, and Malcolm Wilson, Wilson himself is well known for supporting young drivers. And, OK, you mentioned three names uh, that succeeded, but... If you actually walk around um, only WRC Service Park, you will see a lot of the drivers in different categories that have gone through M Sport's uh, ladder of opportunities. And uh, right now, M Sport is the only uh, rally car manufacturer that can offer the full uh, ladder of opportunities, which will have the the car in every class. Uh, which is in the um, in the new FIA uh, rally pyramid, starting with Rally Five, which uh, previously was called R1, uh, through Rally Four, uh, which was R2, uh, through Rally Three, which will launch next year, which is completely new uh, new class and new new concept, uh, through then Rally Two, previously R5, and uh, into WRC cars, which are uh, called Rally One now. So M Sport is the only one which can offer young drivers the full ladder to go from the beginning to the top. You've just mentioned Rally 3, and obviously we've seen the pictures of your Rally 3 car starting to test. Um, what can you tell us about the car? What can you tell us about where it's going to be picked and, and, and where you see it in, in the scheme of things with regards to where it's going to compete? I think it's the it's the first time when I'm... Uh, publicly saying something about Rally 3 because <laughs> until, <laughs> until now, actually, I kept very, very quiet because um, we are on a very, very big push with the Rally 3 program. Um, it is a very, very interesting concept because um, what we have seen over the years is that there is a very, there was and there is a very big step both in the price and in the performance between the Rally 4 cars and the Rally 2 cars. 
So uh, something that uh, would be four-wheel drive, but uh, more cost-effective than the current Rally 2 car, uh, I'm sure there is a big demand for, uh, for, for a car like that on the market, and there is a big demand from the, from the drivers. So we started to work on it. We are uh, in a testing phase. Uh, we're planning to launch the car for 2021, but still there is uh, there is there is uh, some work ahead of us. So we are absolutely flat out to, to to be able to deliver the cars as soon as possible. I think we're a similar age, Max. Because I'm going to go for a stab in the dark on this and say we're not far off the same age. So in old in old terms, in old money is as a term we would probably use. Um, this is kind of filling the hole, which has been a, a gaping hole from when we lost probably Group M, really, wasn't it? Pretty much, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I would say it should be probably around this uh, this performance. Uh, okay, it's going to be a different car than Group M because it's going to be lighter, uh, maybe slightly less powerful, but uh, I wouldn't think it will be slower than Group M cars. And it will be a proper rally car, you know, with, uh, with a sequential box, with proper uh, four-wheel drive, with proper suspension. So, like I said, I think it will be very, very interesting uh, car to, to, to drive, not only for the young drivers, but also for the drivers that not necessarily uh, can do uh, rally two cars, not necessarily uh, want to spend that kind of money, uh, but want to be mean four-wheel drive car. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see whether, do you see perhaps this car finding its way into, in, into WRC? Could perhaps even the junior section go this particular route at some point and maybe split into two tiers of, of opportunity almost? Yeah, I think, I think this is uh, very likely to happen in the future. And for sure, FIA really wants to promote the Rally 3 cars as much as they can and they can see, and they see Rally 3 cars as the cars for the, for the young drivers, like you mentioned. Uh, nothing like that is going to happen for next year, for 2021. In 2021, we will continue Junior WRC, uh, under the, the, the current, uh, concept with the Rally 4 cars. Uh, but 2022 is uh, is very much open regarding Rally 3 cars, so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this will be uh, a junior WRC car longer term. Uh, but for sure, for next year, uh, I think it would be fantastic to see those cars in all the championships, including WRC, European Championship, and all the national regional championships, because, uh, yeah, there is, there is a need for a car like that. There are countries where... Uh, you go to the rally and there is a very, very strong field of, uh, of rally two cars. And, uh, you don't think that, okay, you, you, you need really rally three car over there, but there is a lot of countries where you go and there is one or two rally two car and that there is a big, big, big gap. So I think rally three car will fill this gap really, really nicely. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's uh, obviously you guys are very much focused on what you're doing and obviously what, what, what we always want and probably you guys probably reluctantly want it as well is, is, is other manufacturers. Are you hearing anything from other manufacturers? We've heard rumors of perhaps Toyota, perhaps one or two others, maybe Citroen, but have, have, we, have we heard anything from any other manufacturers that have expressed an interest in Rally 3? Uh, to be honest, it's, it's like you say, it's rumors what I hear. So um, I don't know who exactly exactly is working on uh, on this car for sure uh, there was uh, there was a number of manufacturers uh, f- in, interested in uh, in rally 3 concept 
Some of them will uh, probably uh, be already designing the cars. Some of them will be probably still thinking and, and looking into it. I don't want to quote the names because uh, I'm really focused on, on the job we are doing. And, and uh, we will see. But for sure, there will be some other manufacturers because I think it's going to be very, very, very good concept. Like if you see what's happened with Rally 2 cars, how many uh, Rally 2 cars are running around the world and different manufacturers and uh, you know, people are still willing to buy those cars. I think Rally 3 is going to be um, another successful car. Exciting times, exciting times. We need to just obviously just just to put a nice bow on all this. We we, we are going to go into Ypres. We're, we've got fingers crossed for, for, for all the concern, really, that Ypres will indeed run. Uh, have you heard anything to the detriment at the moment, Maciej? Uh to be honest, I was in touch with the organizers two days ago, and they uh, they are confident the rally will run, which is very, very positive. For sure, there will be some restrictions, and for sure, we'll need to comply with the new Appendix S, which, uh, which, which, which forces us to, to go through some COVID tests and stay within the service park and so on. But um, I have to say I'm very, very thankful for, to the FIA and to the, to the organizers who managed to, to get the rallies going. Uh, that they are managing to to organize the events and they're managing to continue this uh, this championship uh, and not only WRC but the other championships as well. So I think it's been uh, very hard work for everybody at FIA and and from the organizers uh, side. But yeah, very very appreciated work. Uh, I am I'm really really pleased with the fact that uh, the championships are going ahead. Us too. It's it's something which, uh, if I can just ask you briefly before we go, you, you, you've been quite quite interested as well, of course, in the European Rally Championship, which has been uh, probably the test bed of how all this is going to be. How are you finding having cars running in the RC now? Uh, good. I mean, I was really relieved that uh, Rally Roma has um, um, has happened, and this was the start of the European Championship this year. Uh, obviously, the, the promoter had to adjust the calendar significantly compared to the, the original version. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it is actually a very interesting championship. And it's a championship where uh, you can try yourself outside of the, uh, of the national championship. Um, there is maybe a little bit less pressure. Uh, it's a little bit, I don't want to say easier because it's not easier, but... The, the rallies are shorter. The rallies are um, slightly, maybe easier to uh, to attend than uh, than some of the WRC events. And uh, like I said, it's a very very good test place for people who don't want to continue to, co- to compete in the national championship anymore, but maybe are a little bit worried before going to WRC. So uh, now it's it's brilliant championship and it's brilliant championship in both Rally Two Cars and Rally Four. If you look at the junior ERC3 competition, um, it's great. It's always a lot of drama on each rally. Um, very, very good com- competition, good drivers. So really, really nice championship. Brilliant. Maciek, listen, uh, we thank you for your time. We know you are busy, obviously, with the various projects that are going on over at M Sport Poland. So thank you for joining us an Absolute Rally. And hopefully once we... We get through this and we get back to some normality. We can we can talk again and we'll start talking about 2021 and the excitement that the Junior World Rally Championship will bring us also. Yeah, this would be great. Thank you very much for having me and um, and all the best. And yes, let's uh, 
let's hope we can uh, we can have a chat about 2021 very soon I look forward to it folks we'll be back after this break this is Absolute Rally Absolute Rally continues to be partnered by the Kielder Works team who remain fully committed to the sport and are pioneers of the latest technology Kielder cordless tools are tailored for all forms of competitive action go back to the future with the Kielder Works team Welcome back to the final section of Absolute Rally. Um, Jack Benyon, have you got your any other business for this week? Yes, I do. Good. Thanks for leaving me in suspenders there. For Sorry, a I left the I left the microphone on mute as usual. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you, do you, do you need a minute to compose yourself? Yeah, I think I do. I think. Okay, uh, you, all right, I'm you, ready. I'm ready. Are you ready? Right, Jack. We're all waiting. Hit it's, us with it. It's not particularly relevant, which is where all uh, the best Absolute Rally any other businesses start, obviously. <laughs> Um, I was I, I got down a bit of a rabbit hole last week on YouTube, um, which we've all done, I hope, um, because it's my favourite pastime. And I came across San Remo 2000, which any description of the San Remo rally, it's an absolute rally rule. You must then hand over to Ryan Champion to talk about San Remo for five minutes. But I'll do that in a minute <laughs> because first... Uh, it basically, uh, I, I did a lot of uh, watching of around 2000. Um, the 2000 Rally San Remo was uh, Pinizzi's first win on, on San Remo. He won three San Remo rallies, which is almost half of his WRC win total. Um, that was the first of his three. And it wasn't a particularly spectacular event in terms of um, to and fro at the top of the leaderboard or anything like that. It was a, an assured drive. But what it basically whittled down to, and I won't uh, rabbit on for ages, is I think the 2000... WRC um, service park was, uh, I don't know if I'm going to say, I'm going to get so much stick for saying this. I think it's the prettiest service park we've, we've ever had. I think 2000 is my favourite year for rally cars. And all we do when we look back at history and rallying is talk about the best looking rally car or the best looking rally car of a generation. Um, but I'm going to step it up a notch and ask Absolute Rally listeners to pick their favourite year of cars. So if you look at the Sam Remo list, for example, um, obviously, my favourite one, top of the list, would be Sebastian Loeb in the Corolla for his uh, second event of that year after after doing the Tour de Course. Uh, but the the works cars were obviously Mackinnon in the Evo 6. Loix was also in a what they called the Charisma GT Evo 6. And you got Richard Burns and Simon John Joseph in Impreza S6s, which is my favourite Impreza. I know Ryan Champion's going to kill me for saying that, but the two doors the best. Uh, McRae and Science in the Focuses, Oriol and Gardemeister in the Cordobas. Um, obviously Delacour and Panizzi in the 206s and uh, Schwantz in the Octavia so for me 2000 is my favourite looking service park and I'm happy to hear why I'm wrong and on, on multiple levels and insight genuine Twitter fury the police are on the way now by the sound of it yeah that's that's the siren in the background Jack someone's called them on you someone's <laughs> called them on you okay no that's, uh, listen that's your opinion Jack that's your opinion and to be fair Good shout, I reckon. It's a good shout. Maybe we should get somebody who was doing the coverage from that period to speak next. John Desborough. 
<laughs> right, I'm going to wriggle out of this and say I didn't get deep into this sport until Corsica, this time 2001, when I realised I was in somewhere special when we did some pre-shoot. The Channel 4 show hadn't started. They sent me out for the weekend to Corsica to do the opening shot to the Channel 4 show, which had me sat on a seat at the top of a mountain where I was left and had a helicopter come towards me. And I was instructed to deliver the three lines. I can't remember what they were now. Something like, uh, welcome to the World Rally Championship, welcome to the best drivers, welcome to the best places or whatever. But I can remember watching the condensation beat up on the exhaust of uh, Richard Burns's whatever Subaru it was. They were all good in my in my game, but in, in my opinion, especially around the end of 99-2000, which w would really have been the two he should have won but didn't, and then won in 2001. But I can remember being on a hillside in Corsica in the morning it's early in the morning, it's cold, slightly icy and damp. During the day, you'll get 20 degrees of heat. And then in the evening, it, it chills down again. And there, he fired it up for the first time. And I can remember looking at that exhaust, hearing that note of that exhaust, which so much research and development we've gone into to get that exhaust note. I always remember somebody, Aston Martin, telling me, we spent a lot of money getting the engine noise right because we want the Aston Martin engine noise. Same with the Subaru Impreza. Uh, exhaust and he went off and did uh, shakedown and then we I disappeared off and did some you know lovely TV stuff and I thought yeah yeah this this is it the misfortune was that 80 months later they realized Channel 4 we couldn't compete with Formula 1 and they decided they would pull out and those were the glory years of 2002 and 3 that's Subaru Ryan Ryan and Jack tell me what number Subaru that was just <laughs> 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 In that on the tarmac, you know, loads of gold wheels with the gold, the blue and yellow. Right, Brian, any idea? What well, any idea what that that was? Well, it was an S7, wasn't it? Because it was the four, it was the four door. When they moved back to the four door in Pretzer again, the bug eyed ship. Uh, and and Jack, Jack, you're pretty right with the with the 2000 car, the, the last of the two doors. They are the most valuable Subaru. So um, somebody must agree with you out there. <laughs> um, and and yeah, I, I think uh, it's interesting, isn't it? When you look back at the history of rallying, obviously the the Group B days were were the most famous, the most iconic, etc., etc. But as we all get over, older, then we all reflect back on different eras of the sport. And uh, uh, whilst Group A was fondly looked upon because it had homologation specials, I mean, the, the World Rally cars just brought a little bit more glamour. They were, they were designed as rally cars. You know, you had, um, uh, was it uh, Gordon Murray that actually did the design for Pro Drive on the two-door Impreza? So they were, you know, they were stylish-looking cars. Um uh, and we had all the manufacturers in there, so it, it was certainly uh, you know an incredible era. And, and not only that, you had the uh, the annoying, as far as the manufacturers are concerned, the annoying F2 cars uh, mixing it up on tarmac as well. So um, yeah, interesting times. Hey, I'm amazed. I'm amazed, right? How specific you were able to be about that Subaru that John mentioned. Bearing in mind his description was basically from '98 to 2003. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he said about 2001, Corsica 2001, which was. <laughs> yeah. Jack, Jack, Ryan could give you the chassis number. That's what you got to remember, Jack. Come on, you should know better. Less said about people like that, the better I think. Come right back to the future. This is what Toyota, Toyota, Hyundai. Uh, Malcolm at um, M Sport, they've got to do, they've got to create us a car that we're going to talk about in 20 years' time. Is that Hyundai that's just come out today, that Rally 2, is that the one that is going to be 
uh, priced so that young kids who want to get into cars, whether they've got electric, hybrid or petrol in them, young kids can get into where we can find talent and where it's going to look as sexy as possibly as as it could do. And we're going to watch those compete and think, man. I've got to have one of those. How much is it? I don't care. Just get me the finance package now. I want to buy one because that's what we're after because I think that's that moment that would have appealed to all of us. Certainly was with me when I saw the that Impreza in Tarmac. In, well, it was earlier than that, and, but in Corsica, that was the moment I can remember. It's got to inspire us uh, regardless of the engine, and the cost I'm, is crucial. I'm going to go completely. I'm probably going to upset some people, so normally it's Jack's job to do that. I'm probably doing it this week. Um, I don't believe that there is a, a rally car that is derived from a road car that is currently aspirational. There you yeah, go. Yeah. There you go. And that's, I'd say, I'd say that, 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 that a market that you could move into, you know, where it's hard to sell a car, man, if you could see it, what it does on, on TV or on social media, wherever, and say, oh, I've got to have one of those. Jack that's just good. said the Toyota Yaris. To some degree, obviously, that's a homologation special. And, of course, um, they were flying around the Goodwood, weren't they, right? So... I don't yeah. know whether you had a chance to... I was going to come on to that in a minute. Okay, all right. Well, um, uh, maybe that's the caveat that I'll put in. Jack just shut me down, but I don't think currently Rally 2, Rally 4, 5, 6, 79, 69, anyway, up you like. Um, no, I can't think of one. Anyway, um, right, I'm going to do my own little business before we come to, to Ryan's because by the sounds of things, it's going to be long, so to speak. A um, couple of things. Any other business? Um, the Kielder competition... Um, thank you to um, Bill Painter, Eric Ockwell, Eamon Coakley. Um, no, that, Derek hasn't answered. He, that was completely unrelated, but um, that's a different conversation I've just been having with, with Derek Dorsey. Sorry, Derek. Um, uh, Kieran uh, and Tom, who are some of the latter people who've entered the Kielder Works Team competition for the Wheels of Fortune. Um uh, keep keep sending your, your your answers in. We are going to be drawing this in two weeks' time to give you an idea. So um, keep keep sending those in. My other any other business. Um, the, the the obviously our, 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 our group of people that we've got doing the podcast this week. One of them's got a book out. Don't know if you've heard about it. Um, but uh, John, um, there's been a lot said, John. Yes. Genuine question. Been a lot said. I'm reading the book at the moment. Yes. Uh, where toddler allows me, although he, he's not, he's really, he, I'll be honest with you, he's not really into it when I'm reading to him, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Um, but reading the book at the moment, toddler allowing, um, there's been a lot said perhaps by you in other places about where the, the driver might have had inspiration from. Where's yeah. the journalist got inspiration from? The, yeah. <laughs> who's awesome. he, John? Ask Seb Scott. Ask Seb Scott. I do have people around me in the village who say they've read it and they say, God, that is just so you. Um, and uh, remember, this is my first attempt at it. I was sitting there in this very man cave thinking, what in God's name am I going to do for the next three, four, five, six, twelve 12 months? Because I can't travel with the WRC. I'll create it. And uh, all authors say you go to where you know, which is why that many, many, many fictions are semi-autobiographical. But um, yeah, I would I've say... Built, I've built up a picture of that journalist you see in my head from the book. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, it's not it's not the most courteous. Uh, so I don't think it's you at all, John, because to I'm me... So it's me then. And no, not you at all, Jack. 
because you've got sure. cool hair. This guy in my head that I'm building up, and this is the beauty of literature for me, right, is that um, he, uh, possibly a virgin until he was 21, uh, probably picked on in school and never was allowed to keep his own dinner money. <laughs> now, I don't um, think that's you, John, in any way, shape. And I don't even think it's you, Jack. You're far well, too cool. Here's, here's the difficult thing. Um, I, the, one of the questions I asked was, who, where's the champion going to come from? What car is he going to drive? Uh, those, those are two very, very hard questions I had to answer, or shall I say, not answer. Also, uh, I didn't want to tie it down to any specific era, but you can tell from the last 45 minutes where roughly that era is. And all I will say is a lot of the people that you've mentioned in thanking have been helping me out with well, you know, when uh, who was it who said I'm going to write an autobiography? So if anybody can tell me where I've been for the last two years, I'd be really glad because I can't remember where I've been for the last two or 20 years. Oliver there, Reed, surely. There was an awful lot that I couldn't remember about that time. So in classic journalist f uh, fashion, I may not know it, but I know people who do know what went on there. So well, I would say thank you to them, make it possible. And actually, one or two very kindly have come on and said, you've got to keep this going. What's going to happen now? So Don't ruin it, John. I haven't got that far ahead. Don't we? There's people who still haven't read it yet, so don't, don't, don't go any further with that. Well, there'll be some sort of a sequel, but not yet, because I'm a slow writer. I, I, wonder, I wonder whether in the sequel that journalist will appear on a podcast, a well-known podcast that's been around for 10 years. Not that yeah, I'm trying to plant a seed here, John. Hey, I could write it in. Well, I've written other stuff in, in blatant, <laughs> as you'll discover, in blatant commercial payola fashion. I've written other stuff in. Um, so why not? Good idea. Okay, there is you that, go. Is that, is that that podcast that feels like it'll fill 11 years? Uh, <laughs> 11 it's days. Only, it's only been, no, it's only been around for 10, but it feels like it'll fill 11 years. Hey, Ryan, one thing I will promise you, there's no Belgians in this book. <laughs> Uh, Ryan, your any other uh, business? Well, it's all right because I'm going to start by by clearing up my mistakes because it was of course Peter Stevens that designed the uh, Subaru, the two door Subaru, who worked. Oh, we've lost you, Ryan. Just when he was apologising. Yeah, no. Should we just leave? We'll, we'll just leave that out. We'll let him get into trouble for, <laughs> for, for <laughs> basically naming the wrong person who designed it. Uh, yeah. Ryan, are you back? Hey. No, Ryan's gone. Yeah. Oh. Jack, what should we do here? Should we just wrap up the podcast and just leave Ryan talking to himself? I yeah, that was a good word. Uh, there you go. Are you, are you back, Ryan? Fortune, if I may say, every time I see it on social media, it's a bit like I was in when I was 13. I was trying to crack algebra in math homework. I come down and I say, I can, today's, I the morning. today's the morning I'm going to do that. And I, you know, cut the wheels and I have no idea. I really have no idea, just as I had no idea with algebra when I was 13. There you go. Um, Ryan's back. Ryan? No, he's not. Huh. He was back for a second. Jack, you 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 heard him, or was it all yeah. in my head? Am I hearing Ryan's voice in my head again? No, I heard him. No? He said he could hear us. Yes. So. Can, can oh. you hear us now, Ryan? Yes, I can. Okay. Hello. Hello, Ryan Champion. Welcome back to Absolute Rally. Please give us your any other business. <laughs> am i here now yes you're in the moment <laughs> go right so i'm apologizing first for, for getting the designer of the two-door subaru wrong which was peter stevens and not gordon murray he worked with gordon murray on the mclaren f1 project uh but yeah just picking up on uh on what we just said about uh, a few things really about goodwood about uh, homologation specials um 
Toyota had both Yari Mati Latvala and Elvin Evans at Goodwood with the new GR Yaris, so this new uh, four-wheel drive homologation special, except it kind of isn't really, is it? Because we'll never see the rally version. Uh, of course, the rally version's already been canned, and uh, and we'll see a new, a brand new space frame version that will actually be based on it. But we're starting to see uh, a few rally-inspired cars. We talked about the Hyundai uh, i20n that's uh, that's coming and and the yaris so it is nice to see but um i was going to say i had a had a chat with elvin at uh at goodwood and what relaxed form he was in you know he's uh he's obviously thrilled to be in uh, an incredible car he's leading the world championship and he's incredibly relaxed about it so so good for him it'll be uh you know be great to see what happens let's hope there is some competition still to go this year uh, and just wrapping up on on goodwood there was a competitive element and it was uh it was rally to regular reese yates uh WRC Rally 2 regular, I should say. Reese Yates, who, who won the event from uh, Oshin Price, who was having his first outing in the Volkswagen Polo R5. There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, and Reece. one other thing I would say. One go other on. thing. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, but one car that hasn't been seen in public for, I don't know, 20-plus years, Ari Vatanen's black shell escort. Beautiful to see that uh, Jason Lepley's car out in the public. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's the one escort that we can talk about. That was at Goodwood, because there's just loads of them normally, but that is a special one. I will give that, and Jason has done a fantastic job with that car. Um, boys, believe it or not, that's the end of the podcast for this week. Shame. Well done. I thought we were going to talk about escorts being cracking in the lanes for, for a little bit longer there. No, we're not going to talk about any type of escorts uh, and ones that keep you company. We're not going to do that, but I'm sure it'll appear in one of John's books at some point. That's all I'm prepared to say on it. Um, Jack, thanks, mate. You can go back to being American now. <sighs> thanks. Yeah, it's all right. No problem. Um, John, you can go back to, I, I suppose, there'll be dessert. Now, you started this podcast having um, homemade uh, homemade pasta with, with homegrown yeah. onions, and it sounded fantastic, John. You just live on a different world to the rest of us. If I can leave the listeners with one thing, if there was an absolute rally podcast rally team, what... <laughs> Well, let's dream. Come on, let's dream. That's what we can do now. Who would be the driver? Who would be the co-driver? Who would be the team manager? Who would look after logistics, you know, all the rest of it? How would we divvy up? Because I have had these sorts of ideas do it appeal to me and occur to me, and they have. Some of them have flown. So I'll just leave that thought with you. Okay. I think I, I think we have all appeared in different roles in rallying over a period of time. So we, you know... Um, who would be? That's we, easy. Go Tony, on. Tony's got to do logistics. Yeah, that's that. Right. It's, 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 it's kind of that's quite easy though, isn't it, Jack? I suppose. Yeah. I suppose if we mixed it up a little bit, we know. Right. Ra- let's leave it with the listeners until. All right, that's fine. All right, yeah, because we'll we'll, we'll we'll come back to that next week. There you go. Thanks, John. It's your, it's, it's your train set when it's a rally team, and it's your train set when it's a podcast, Tony. <laughs> so you can do team manager and logistics. There you go. How about drive? And drive, yeah, I was going to say, he wants to drive as yeah, well. Yeah, of course I do. That's where, that's where I was going with all this. That's where I was going. I've still got an ego. It's all right. It's all right. I'm, I may not I may not have a Group A Subaru. I may not get invited. He says we by... can't have a two-car team where you can drive a car as well. That's a good point, that, what, where, where John Desborough gets behind the wheel. God. No, he's, he's, uh, on, uh, he's on no, Team Kitchen. Ryan, Ryan, that will never, ever, ever, ever happen. What, it's not the eat, first not, rally teams to have homegrown onions. Not <laughs> to start that into the first corner. You'd manage that bit, surely. 
Oh, I have driven a rally car 200 yards, as, as you know. It was a Mitsubishi in 2001, but they did tell me don't put it in third gear, you'll break the box. So I had to stamp To be the fair, John, they said that to a lot of people, including <laughs> some of the drivers that they had. <laughs> we have covered that in a previous podcast, trust me. So on that, on that gearbox moment, uh, we will say thanks to everybody for downloading the podcast this week. Please spread the love, spread the word. We'll be back same time, same place. You know, podcast all next week. Absolute Rally. Powered by the Kielder Works team. Spread the word and download the podcast every week.